They're a pretty awesome youth group. So. Well, I think so anyway. Praise the Lord. Just as we were singing that song, Lord, reign in me, it really, I feel like the Lord's speaking. You know, Sister Ruby was saying the Lord's been dealing with her, the Lord's been dealing with me about the same thing and then singing that song, you know, may, the, may my life reflect the beauty of my Lord. Over every thought, over everything, every part of my life, Jesus be the center. That he would, his, his glory would be reflected in me. That others may see him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, throughout history, men and women have done incredible things. Many people have completely changed the course of history. Some for the better and some for the worse. And if I asked you for the name of someone, you could probably list people like Abraham Lincoln, who was instrumental in abolishing slavery. Adolf Hitler was the leader of the party that led millions to their deaths. That's for the worse. Charles Darwin introduced the theory of evolution. Christopher Columbus was an explorer who, although was not the first man to discover America, did start the communication between America and Europe. Alexander Fleming discovered penicillin. Florence Nightingale was instrumental in the change to making hospitals cleaner places. I think we're all thankful for that. Alexander Bell discovered the telephone and young people, where would we be without our mobiles? And more recently, Steve Jobs, who has completely revolutionized the way we use technology. And for those of you who don't know who he is, he's the founder of Apple and all that fancy stuff. And you would have heard said many times things like live life to the fullest or don't waste your life or one of the ones I think many people use this, these days is, you know, live life with no regrets, YOLO, you only live once. And these men and women that I have listed and the many more that we could probably name have, you would say, lived their lives to the fullest. They've changed the world in some way or another and have done something with their lives. They didn't waste what time they had on the earth, but instead made incredible discoveries that have saved millions of people's lives. Been involved in political changes that have seen the increase in equality of all humanity and so on. So tonight I just want to spend a short while speaking about what it means to live life to the fullest as a Christian. We'll just pray. Lord God, we thank you, Jesus, that we feel your presence in this place, Lord God, but not just around us, but in us, Lord, that you would come and dwell in humanity, God. And I just pray tonight, Lord, as I bring your word, that you would anoint me, that, Lord, you would anoint your word. And as it goes forth, Lord, that it would bring forth much good fruit, Lord God, I pray. Have your way in everything that is said and done in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd all turn to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7 and it says and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul in the beginning God breathed into humanity that he breathed life into Adam and he became a living thing a living being we know that it wasn't just a physical birth but a spiritual one as well Adam was able to commune with God, spend time in his presence, and had access to eternal life through the breath that God breathed into Adam. And we know that because of Adam and Eve's disobedience to God's commandments, sin entered into the world. And Romans 5 and verse 12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. And Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. And so even though when Adam and Eve sinned, they did not die physically, they died to the spiritual. 
Sin had separated them from God and from eternal life. And so it is for all of us. Romans says that all have sinned and come short of God's glory. Before we came to know the Lord, we were just like Adam and Eve, dead to the spirit. No hope of restoration with our creator and no hope of eternal life. And the law was introduced, but only to push the punishment for sin ahead to another time. It didn't fully wipe out sin. But thanks be to God. Romans 8, 2 and 3 says, For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. How did he condemn it? He presented himself as a sacrifice for the sins of all mankind and through his death, burial and resurrection, we now have access to eternal life and access to a spiritual life. Hallelujah. Something to be thankful for. Very well-known portion of scripture, John chapter 3, speaks of Nicodemus, a teacher. And he knew there was something different about Jesus and he came to him one night to talk to him. And through the conversation, Jesus told Nicodemus he must be born again to be a part of the kingdom of God. And he's like, what? How can a man be born twice? You can't enter back into your mum's stomach. Nicodemus didn't understand that this wasn't a physical birth, but a spiritual kingdom, a spiritual birth. And Jesus expands on what he said before. You must be born of the water and of the spirit. And we know from the scripture that we must be baptized in Jesus' name. There is no other name that is higher and filled with his spirit to be born again, to be saved, to be made spiritually alive. Thank God that he made a way for us to be made spiritually alive. And one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible is Romans 5, 8. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet stinking sinners, Christ died for us. It is through his death, his burial, and thankfully his resurrection that we now have access to the holy presence of God. And if we accept him and obey his word, we're made spiritually alive. Over the past week or so, I've been enjoying um, getting out in the front garden to start doing some re-landscaping. And Brother Simon's not a green thumb. Well, I love the garden. I must admit, though, that as much as I love getting into the garden, I haven't really had much time to um, really look after it the way I should. And thankfully, we've had a bit of rain over the last few weeks, so the fact that I haven't watered for a long time has thankfully not done too much damage. But the one thing I have noticed about my garden is that although I would class everything as relatively alive, I would not say everything is thriving and living life to its fullest. My plants are not flowering and they are very stunted in their growth. Some of the leaves on the plants are yellow and the fruit on my fruit trees are small and when picked and cut open are rotten inside or taste really gross. And one little plant that I received from a friend when I moved into the house has really been affected by my lack of upkeep. I read that it's actually quite a hardy plant and it can survive quite a lot of conditions, um, but yeah, it has seen better days. Um, When I first planted it in its little pot, it was healthy, thriving, full of flowers and had beautiful green leaves. And now you can count the flowers on one hand. It's yellowing and only just looks like it's surviving. It's alive, but really inside, it's dying. Revelation chapter 3 in verse 1 is the beginning of the letter unto the church in Sardis. And in the second half of the verse, it says, I know thy works, that thou hast a name, that thou livest, and art dead. 
the Lord's saying here, I know you do much in the church and people around the place, they know you're a Christian, you've got a reputation of being good, of being somewhat alive, and yet to him, you're dead. You have not the life of God in your souls and you've not walked consistently and steadfastly before him. And so it can be with our spiritual lives. We come to church, people know us as Christians, and yet deep inside we're dying. I don't want to just survive this life. I want to be alive with all the power that God desires to pour into my life. Just like those people that I listed at the beginning. I don't want to just come to the end of my life and go, well, you know, I bought a house, went on a holiday, made a few friends, you know, and just scrape into heaven. I want to look back on my life and go, wow, I did something. I want to be able to look back and say, I changed my world. I truly lived my life completely and fully as God wanted me to. But just like the little plant in my backyard struggles to flourish in tough conditions, so are we. If we do not maintain our relationship with the Lord, if we are not consistent and steadfast. For my plant to come fully alive, to flower and to grow like it should, I need to give it sunlight, water and fertilizer. Three ingredients that must be in the life of a plant for it to really grow into what it is meant to be. Quite often, we see people come into the church, a sinner, get saved, have a wonderful experience with God, get baptized, filled with his spirit. And those people are at that point more spiritually alive than ever before. But how frequently do we see those same spiritually buzzing people fizzle out and end up losing that energy? And if we're all honest, we can probably remember the time when we were first filled with the Holy Spirit of God and we just wanted to tell the whole world about Jesus and what he'd done for us. And then as time goes on, we lose that new saint zeal. I don't want to be named as one of the ch- from the church in Sardis. I don't want to be known as just a good person who does good things, but deep down being dead on the inside. I want to be living the life that Jesus has for me completely and fully. John 10 says that he came to give us life, that we may have it more abundantly, life that is full and overflowing. So how do we keep staying alive on the inside? How can we live a life full of power, flourishing for God's purpose? Just like the three ingredients that are needed for a plant to flourish and flower, so there are ingredients that are needed in our lives so that we may flourish and live the way the Lord created us to. And there are many parts that make up our lives as Christians, but I want to focus on three specific ingredients tonight. And we'll turn to John chapter 7. John chapter 7, starting at verse 37. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. The Spirit of God is quite often referred to, throughout, uh, often throughout Scripture, referred to as water. And here we see Jesus speaking of the Holy Spirit that was to be given. And just like my little plant needs water to flourish, 
so we need the Holy Spirit. We read before that Jesus told Nicodemus that to be born again, you must be born of the Spirit. But to be filled with the Spirit is not just a once-off experience. And we hear this all the time, but it's true. Ephesians 5 and 18 says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And the original Greek translation of those words, be filled, in this scripture actually means being filled. A constant and continuous filling of the Spirit. Each day, every day, we must allow the Spirit to reign in our lives. Why do we need to be continually filled with the Spirit? Why isn't it just a once-off experience? Galatians 5, verse 16 to 18, uh, verse 16 to 17 says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit. We heard it this morning, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. And Romans 8, verse 8 and 9 says, So then they, are, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. If we want to truly stay alive and flourish in our walk with God, we must continually being filled and walking in the Spirit. We read in Acts that you receive power after the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And when you are filled with the Spirit, you come alive. It is how we can live that sacrificial life that Brother Simon was speaking of this morning. So, just as my little plant in my backyard needs water to come alive and flourish, so our lives need the power of the Holy Spirit daily. Each day, we need the water of the Holy Spirit to pour into us so that we can walk in the Spirit My plant can go without water for a day or two or three or maybe a week or two like it has been the last couple of weeks, but it's stunted. It's not growing. It's just kind of there and not really giving me anything back, not really pouring into it. But every day we need the water of the Holy Spirit to pour into us so that we can walk in the Spirit, so that we can do what the Lord wants us to do, so that we can flourish in His will for our lives. Matthew 3, chapter 11 says, I indeed baptize you with water, this is John speaking, unto repentance. But he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. To live and grow, to flower and flourish, my little plant needs the sun. It needs heat. majority of every plant needs at least some kind of warmth, some kind of sunlight to be able to live. And... uh, I remember on numerous occasions when I would be at the gym huffing and puffing away all hot and sweaty and gross and my heart would be racing. My trainer would say, well, at least you know you're alive. And heat and exertion on my body is not what I would wait for to know that I'm alive. But to some extent, he was right. If I was cold and lifeless, then obviously I'm either close to death or nearly or I'm dead. (laughs) And so it is with our lives as Christians. We may not like this part of our walk with God. But heat is needed. First Peter 4 and 12 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. When you feel the heat of trials and situations that sometimes feel too hard to handle, remember the warmth of the sun helps to grow the tree. 
And we think that when we become Christians that everything is fixed and we don't need to go through the tough stuff. But this is contrary to what the Bible teaches. There will be times when we feel the heat. And Romans 5 and verse 3 and 4 says, And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, (laughs) and patience experience, and experience hope. This doesn't mean that we go around pretending that our tribulations aren't there and, oh, yeah, I'm amazing. (laughs) But it's through the heat and the warmth of the sun that the Lord grows patience within each of us. It is through that patience that we grow in experience and have hope in the day when the Lord's going to come back. James 1, 24 says, My brethren, count it all... uh, Sorry, 1 verse 2 to 4 says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. A plant doesn't just grow to full size the day you plant it. No, it takes time. It takes patience. That's why I'm not very good with plants, because I want to be them, see them as they're supposed to be overnight. I want to see the flowers. I want to be able to pick the fruit straight away. But gardening doesn't work like that. And there are different seasons in the life of a plant. And so it is in the lives of, uh, of a Christian. The times we go through trials is a time of trying. But it works patience in us. And through that we can become exactly what God intended us to be. Perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Plants don't require heat from the sun at all times though. There is a certain amount of light that is optimal for the growth of the plant. If you leave the plant out in full summer sun all the time, it's going to die. If you don't give it enough heat, it'll be stunted in its growth. And so we must take comfort in this, that God knows the optimal amount of heat that is needed in our lives to keep us alive and to keep us growing. And you would have heard said before, God won't give you more than you and him can't handle together. And it's true. God is able to get us through any trial as long as we hold fast to him. Jeremiah 17 and 8 says, For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters, and that spreadeth out her roots by the river, and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaf shall be green, and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. If we trust in the Lord, and if we continue to stay connected to him, connected to the life source, if our roots are deep and planted by the river, The spirit of God is being exercised daily in our lives. We won't see when the heat comes. We will continue to flourish, continue to have our leaves green and fruit continually growing on our branches that other people can pick. Heat gets people moving. And quite often that's why God will bring the heat. This is why God allows certain fiery trials sometimes to come into our lives because he wants us to move, to grow to flourish and we can't do that if we just stay still if we become happy with the status quo pot plant area sometimes he wants to replant us in a a bigger box or into the full garden because he knows there's greater things to happen in our lives fertilizer often smells gross but it's necessary to enhance and boost the growth of plants i have a bucket of the stuff in my shed unused at the moment should really get out and um, sprinkle it on my little pot plants. <laughs> but quite often, it is just another one of those things that gets put to the bottom of the list. The third and final ingredient that I want to talk about is fertilizer. 
one of the most accessible ingredients and yet can be the most difficult to use. This ingredient is preached from every pulpit and is instrumental in a Christian's walk, and yet we struggle to use it. This ingredient is our Christian disciplines. There are three that I want to focus on, prayer, the word, and fasting. And God has been dealing with me with, about this over the past few weeks. And Brother Simon's message this morning really confirmed it for me. Without the sacrifice of our time, our other resources, we won't be able to give these three disciplines the time that they really deserve, that they really need in our lives. How often, just like the bucket of fertilizer in my shed, does prayer, the word, and fasting go to the bottom of the list? They are three of the most simplest, accessible things for a Christian, and yet they are three of the things that many of us fall short of. Prayer is so important that it is mentioned over 250 times in Scripture. Why is it important? Why is prayer so often encouraged in a Christian's life? Well, it's the way we communicate with our Creator. It's the one way that we can truly commune with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It is through prayer that we receive understanding. It is through prayer that we can be refreshed in the Spirit and have that living water flowing through our lives, as we had said before. Daily prayer gives us the opportunity, the chance to express our gratitude towards God for the things that he's already done for us. And it provides a platform for us to confess our sins and repent if we have sin in our lives. It gives us the opportunity to share all aspects of our lives with God. Daily prayer is an act of worship and obedience to the word of God. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17, a very simple verse in the Bible, simply says, pray without ceasing. 2 Chronicles 7 says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Prayer is the avenue through which we can receive forgiveness. We can come to God in repentance and he will heal our land. It is through prayer that we see the miraculous take place. We prayed for a baby on Wednesday night and the baby is getting better. It is through prayer that we see the prodigal return to the father's house. Colossians 4 urges us to continue in prayer. Philippians teaches us not to be anxious or worried, but to pray about those things we worry about. There is scripture after scripture after scripture about prayer and how important it is in our lives. And we've all heard before how our relationship with the Lord is paralleled with a marriage relationship between a man and a woman. When you don't talk to your husband, your wife, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, or even a friend for that matter, for a while, you will come to find that that relationship will break down. And so many relationships are broken usually because of one thing, lack of communication. If our relationships with each other break down because of lack of communication, how is our relationship with the Lord any different? Brother Simon said something the other week that really stayed with me. He said, if you do not pray, you are setting yourself up to fail. And it's true. The truth of the matter is, if we do not have regular communion with God, if we are not praying consistently, we are setting ourselves up to fail. We will not survive Christianity without prayer. And Brother Simon spoke this morning about putting the flesh, the old man to death. And he spoke about how that man continues to rear his ugly head every day unless we put him to death. Prayer is that place, that ingredient that we can use to every morning decide to put the flesh to death. 
it may mean getting up a bit earlier. And now that it's winter, it's going to be cold and dark and my blankets are really warm. But if we want our lives to be abundant, if we truly want to live the way that God intended, we must sacrifice the fleshly desires to enjoy the incredible presence and power of God in our lives. Hallelujah. If we turn to Psalms chapter 119, verse 10 and 11. Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 10 says, With my whole heart have I sought thee. O let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against thee. The word of God, the Bible, the literal God-breathed word is accessible to more people in more ways than ever before. And yet how often does our Bible lie on a dusty shelf every week? Matthew 4, we know the story of Jesus uh, being tempted in the wilderness. And how did he overcome the temptation? Through quoting the word of God. Verse 4 of Matthew 4 says that if we do not li- we do- says that we do not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from God. Hebrews 4 and 12 says for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of God is quick it means to be alive. If you want to feel alive tonight, if you want to be truly alive the way that God intended, get into the Word. This is another discipline that is so accessible and available to so many, to everyone. And yet again, it is one of those things we push to the end of the day. A quick couple of verses before I go to bed while I'm falling asleep. Why is reading the Word of God so important? So many reasons. It's where we're reminded of God's promises in times of trouble. It's where we gain our understanding of who God really is and what his will is for our lives. There's a uh, lyrics to a song you may know that says, He, the devil, knows you have the answers, but truth lies dusty on your shelf. And the sword that you could slay him with is just an ornament and nothing else. Hebrews talks about it being a sword. The word of God is our offensive weapon. It's the one thing we have to fight back against the devil's deception and attacks. If you want to be alive tonight, if you want to have the power of God resident in your life and you are sick of feeling sick and tired and half dead, get the word of God into your heart. Memorize it, learn it, dig into it and love it. In a world that teaches there is no truth, we must hold fast to the truth that is God's word. The world will teach that there is no truth, that there is no God. They will say there is no such thing as sin or that there is more than one way to get to heaven. This is why we need to know this. We need to love it. We must love and cherish it like nothing else. This should be a prized possession. Fasting. It's one of those things that we all know has great benefits and yet just like prayer and the word it gets pushed to the bottom of the list of the to-dos. And we all chuckled when Brother Simon spoke this morning about how when we say, God, I don't do anything. And, you know, we're asked to fast for something. We're like, oh, really? 
And we all laugh because we know it's true. (laughs) Fasting is one of those things that I know really changes me. But to actually go ahead and do it just shows you how incredibly strong the flesh is and why we have to put it to death every day. Quite often the focus of fasting for us is on the lack of food. Oh my goodness, I can't have breakfast. When in actual fact the purpose of fasting is not to starve ourselves, but it's to take our eyes off earthly things, the things of the world, and focus completely upon God. When we fast, we may not always feel very alive, but that's the physical. When we fast, the spiritual man is able to thrive and come alive. It is when we fast, when we present ourselves as a living sacrifice that the Lord can truly reign and do a work in each of us. If we truly desire to live a life the way that God intended it, to the fullest, if we want our lives to be full and abundant with the power of God, then we cannot forsake these three disciplines. Fertilizer is used on plants to enhance the growth of the plants. It brings out the best in the plants. It is essential to bring forth the best crop, the best flowers, and the juiciest fruit. If we want to bring forth the best in our lives, if we want to reflect God's glory so that the world can see, if we want to be producing good fruit and living a life to the fullest as Christians, we must pray. We must pray. There's no second option. And we must be reading the word and we should be fasting. If even Jesus who was fully man, but also fully God, the divine manifest in flesh, had to pray, had to fast and be in the word, then how much more should we as earthly beings be digging into these Christian disciplines? Brother Poitras said last year at a minister's retreat, this one thing, and I really uh, resonated with me, thought it was so true. Prayer, reading the word and fasting and all these spiritual disciplines can start off as a duty. We do it because we have to. We're expected to as Christians. But if we continue at it, it becomes a discipline. And so we pray, we read God's word and we fast because we know it's good for us and it becomes a daily established act in our lives. But if we continue with these disciplines even further, if we continue to allow the spirit to reign in our lives, these disciplines become our desire. We desire to spend time with the Lord. We, we, know that the str- that we know that the struggle that it is to get out of bed early, the struggle that it is to resist the pancakes that someone bought to work on the day that I'm fasting, the struggle that it can be to read God's word when it doesn't seem to make sense, but it's not worthy to be compared to, what the, to the benefits that we can receive when doing those things. And if we still continue with these disciplines, they're not just our desire anymore, but they're our delight We take pleasure and enjoyment out of sitting at the feet of Jesus and listening to him speak to us, hearing from him and delving into his word. It's no longer a chore or just something we have to do. It's something we long to do. It's something we crave. It's every morning, oh my goodness, I get to sit at Jesus' feet and love on him and he loves on me. It becomes our delight. It isn't until you are filled with the Spirit on a daily basis It isn't until you start praying, reading your Bible and fasting that you realize how strong the flesh is and how not alive you were before you did those things. Our days are numbered. The Bible speaks of our lives being but a vapor. Here one minute, gone the very next. 
And Sister Downs in Canberra is famous for saying, what are you going to do with the dash? The dash between the dates on your gravestone. When you die and it says born such and such a date, you know, dash, died such and such a date. What will your dash represent for you and for those around you? Will you have lived your life completely and fully for the Lord? Was his will and plan fulfilled in your life? Did we die daily? Did we die daily to the flesh? And did we let the spirit truly reign? And I guess tonight I just want to leave you with that question in mind. Am I truly living my life to the fullest? Am I spending this short time on earth the way I should be? Am I wasting my time on things that do not matter? Am I, as Brother Simon said this morning, just going through the motions? Or do I wake up each day, each morning, excited to be living one more day for the King of Kings? And if I can't truly say that I am fully alive in Jesus Christ, I want to encourage us tonight to examine where we are. Are we allowing the water of His Spirit, the fertilizer of His Word, prayer and fasting, and the trials of this life to mold us and make us to be what God wants us to be? Am I spending enough time in prayer? Or is it just a last-minute thing? Am I spending enough time seeking out the truths in his word? Do I desire to be in his presence, walking in the spirit daily? Ephesians 2, verse 1 to 5 says, And you hath he quickened, he has made us alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by, by grace ye are saved. He has made us alive." through his love and his mercy, through his sacrifice. And the question I leave with you tonight is, are we really living the way he expects us to live this life? God bless you.